0: DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We are joined now by David Locke. His weekly interview is brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Team. David, good morning.
1: Good morning, DJ. Good morning. PK, how are you? Good.
0: We're good. I don't know how you handled it this year. In past years, I always thought the, uh, the NBA trade deadline was a massive sugar rush for you, and that today you'd just be, just be coming down off of it now, coming off the sugar high. But... I'm curious if you agree with our listeners, because our listeners on our Facebook page, when the deadline hit, what would you think? The team that got the most mentions, that got the most praise as a team the Jazz fans, do not like to praise or do not like to say nice things about, that's the Denver Nuggets. But our listeners thought the Nuggets did very well for themselves. Do you agree?
1: I do. I think Portland did better. I would say Portland was the winner of the trade deadline, not Denver. Um, and then they get all their guys back coming up here, so I think they're even more the winner of the second half of the season. Um, I, you know, could make an argument that Utah and Phoenix and the Clippers are the winner as well. Time will tell what Andre Drummond does, but the Lakers didn't do anything, and that might be as important as anything else. Had Kyle Lowry ended up on the Lakers, that would have been a pretty big shift in the Western Conference to an already loaded team. Um, so they weren't able to do that. Had they pulled off something else to, to give them a little bit more depth and talent. Uh, maybe the moves that weren't made were the biggest. The Clippers talking about Lonzo Ball, I didn't quite understand how they would ever get it done. But if they did, instead they end up with Rajon Rondo. So from a Phoenix-Denver Utah standpoint I think maybe the biggest story of the West is actually what didn't happen now I think Portland got better and Denver filled a gap I'm still not certain whether I think Aaron Gordon is good um or that's not the right way to phrase it NBA players are all good but whether Aaron Gordon directly helps winning or not is still not clear to me um and whether or not he's you know we still think of him as the fourth pick of a draft whether he's that type of player or whether we just love the concept of a 6'9", 240-pound elite athlete and think of what he could be rather than what he actually is. But they did fill a gap. Millsap was giving them very little. Jamichael Green wasn't giving them a lot. Gary Harris, um, you know, they had to trade something. The only other piece of that that I would say, and, you know, again, uh, there's just a lot here, Denver has had this unique collection of talent over the last, you know, if you look at Denver about three or four, two years ago, maybe they had Malik Beasley and they had Juan Herman Gomez and they had Gary Harris and they had Will Barton and they had uh bowl bowl and they had Michael Porter jr. And I thought they were really primed to add a third star um, or even a second star next to Jokic. And they did. And if Aaron Gordon is accumulation of that, to me, that's as a Jazz fan, that's good because I thought that could have been Bradley Beal. I thought that could have been, you know, uh, frankly, they probably should have tried to pull a Gordon Hayward sign and trade. Like, I just thought there was a really high quality player without question marks that Denver could have added considering the fabulous job Tim Conley had done in drafting talent for that team and that they end with Aaron Gordon to me is a little bit of a eh. you know it's like it's a grilled cheese sandwich without like tomato or bacon
2: what kind of bread <laughs> maybe wheat okay well the go healthy option good call
1: Right. I mean, like, it's not, like, on great sourdough. <laughs> right. And it's not fancy. It's not fancy, like, Breacher's <laughs> cheese or something. Like, it's just regular good old, like, you know, pull the American cheese out of the plastic. It's not It's not like a gourmet, like, grilled cheese sandwich there. I mean, I, Calvin Booth is, is a great guy. I covered him in Seattle. He's done a good job as a GM. I'm, I'm, and Tim Conley's done amazing work there. I'm not... I, I, You know, the world might not have lined up for them. I'm not trying to be critical of the Nuggets. I'm just looking at it from a Jazz perspective. They're really, really good. They're the most underrated team. You go to whatever betting site out there. I was on Bet Online this morning to look at it. Their odds are still, like, just way lower than I think they should be. I think they're every bit as legitimate a title contender as anyone else in the West. So they got better, but... You know, over the last twelve to eighteen months, I've looked at that roster like, "Oh my gosh, they're going to pull something off," and they didn't.
0: Rye's always disappointing. Not a fan of the rye.
1: Yeah, rye, rye. Those, you know, pumpernickel would probably no. not be good either.
2: Yeah, no, no, no point in that. My wife, uh, the focacia bread, she first thought it was pronounced focakiki, which always <laughs> amused me. Oh, I thought it was pronounced focaccia. Well, it depends on where you're from in the country. I'm from back east. I don't know. Wheaton, right. South. Or, I mean, if you're from Sandy versus if you're from, like, you know, Murray, then it's really different, mm-hmm. Oh, drastic differences in these neighborhoods. Right. I, I mean, I mean l- focaccia seems like a
1: little, like, strange for a grilled cheese. I, I don't think there's so, anything focaccia-esque about this. Perform this. I mean, I just think this is like good old, like sourdough with like cheddar cheese inside. They didn't even go swift. Like, I and mean, this isn't like stopping at the Beaver Creamery on the way to St. George and getting your like really awesome grilled cheese. This is not what they did.
2: I've never stopped at that place. I've seen it a million times. Is it worth stopping there?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Become a we we do this drive quite a bit for golf. Um, whether it's to Southern California, Vegas, or St. George, and um, that has become a staple. And the ice cream's really good. Not surprising when we first went this summer, the mask wearing was not at an elite level. It improved as the summer went on. I will admit we walked in and left once.
0: So I'm curious about the Clippers move, uh, adding rondo how much does he have left in the tank he did help the lakers a little bit but he had lebron too how much is he going to help the clippers and how much will they miss lou williams how much does he have left in the tank
1: to me this is a larger statement of where that the clippers aren't out of last year's issues that the lou williams patrick beverly Montrez Harrell team of two years ago that got invaded by superstars Kawhi Leonard and Paul George really is and was a significant problem for the chemistry of that team and so they let like Montrez Harrell revealed the truth in the offseason when he said they didn't even offer me a deal It was like oh well then that's about you not about them because you're a pretty good player so if they're not offering you a deal they clearly wanted you out And now Lou Williams goes, I think that reveals that that was a real issue that maybe was still lingering on a team that has not been particularly, um, you know, consistent or shown that kind of that special stuff they might have. So I I would say there might be like not trying to be like there might be real addition by subtraction there, that this is them finally clearing house of what's been problematic to them as a chemistry of a group. The second thing on that trade is it showed that, that the obvious desperation that they just clearly don't think they have enough and that they needed some sort of ball handling. Rondo is a way better passer and ball handler and distributor than, um, than Patrick Beverly, so that'll be an upgrade. But he is 36. I don't know what he has left. He somehow has shot 40% in the playoffs the last two times he's been in the playoffs. So there is the phenomenon that is playoff Rondo. Will he respect Kawhi Leonard the way he respected LeBron James? Or will he respect Paul George the way he didn't respect Ray Allen? That, you know, he's a mercurial dude, and that's going to be, um, you can ask Ron Boone sometime about his Rajon Rondo run in. Like, this is, a, this is a guy that's not easy to get along with. So um, it'll be interesting to see how he plays. I think Ty Lue... Might have been with Rondo in Boston, so he would understand him, and was there the night that Davis bottle went through the film session screen. Um, if he was Doc Rivers' assistant at the time, I'd have to look back and see if that's still true. Um, if I, I didn't, I meant to check that today, and I didn't. But maybe you guys can. Um, so, you know, I think it helps them. I think it's a larger statement of that they still had things that are wrong. I don't think it's a game changer. I think Lonzo Ball would have been. I, you know you know, Ricky Rubio could have gone there. I don't know that that, like, that wouldn't have put fear in my heart. Um, you know, I think George Hill would have gone there, and that's a little bit of a box of chocolates. So, you know, Rondo's probably as good a selection. Once they couldn't go get Lonzo Ball or pull off some sort of high-caliber starting point card.
2: You mentioned winners as the Jazz. Elaborate, please. Well, I just... I
1: mean, they're the number one seed in the West, and Kyle Lowry's not on the Lakers, and Lonzo Ball's not on the Clippers, and you're not going to get away with nobody getting better. I think Portland got a lot better. Um, the way it lines up right now, you might see Portland in the second round. I think Denver-Portland will end up being a 4-5 matchup in the second round, unless Denver catches the Clippers, in which case then I guess the, you know, uh, or a 4-5 first-round matchup. I think Portland Portland will be in 4-5 Denver might catch the Clippers, so it might be Clippers, Portland in the first round with Denver, Phoenix in the first round, and uh, or Denver, sorry, in the second round. Um, so I, I think you know, just the sense that nobody made, nobody got like that star piece. The biggest piece that moved was Nikola Vukovic. Now let's see, does LaMarcus Aldridge end up in Miami and Andre Drummond end up in New York? There's my dream scenario that we just don't add anything. Andre Drummond to the Lakers. Could have a little bit of an impact. Drummond's not efficient. He's really a bad offensive player, but he's huge and takes up space, and they need bodies right now. They need anything they can get um, just to help them get through this stretch or they're going to end up playing in a playing game. And I think the second note, um, you know, Dallas, I think, is lingering out there as a possibility for some of these buyout teams, and, you know, that gets interesting because if they get better – they forced the Lakers into the play-in game by catching the Lakers, but I also think that Dallas, Dallas any defense, but, but with Luca, we just don't have anyone who can guard him, and Chris Dapps does everything to us that we don't want to deal with as poor as he's been this year.
0: So the Jazz trade for Matt Thomas, sharpshooter from Toronto, but Nick Nurse's coach has a quote about, yeah, he can shoot it, but he gives up too many points at the other end. He can't shoot enough to make up for all of that. Does that change with the Rudy Gobert behind him? Does he crack the rotation so we can find that out? He's under contract for a year and a half at like $1.7 million, so I guess he got 18 months or so to figure this out. Uh, what what did you think of that trade, and what does that mean? I think
1: I think that last sentence you put in there is actually pretty important. With Donovan maxing out and Rudy maxing out, and Boyan in a pretty hefty contract, and Joe not cheap, like I think the fact is that the Jazz are going to have to have some minimum contract players that can contribute. Matt Thomas has an elite level skill; he can move, he can shoot on the move, and he can shoot standing still at a very high level. Now we don't run a lot of the Wayne Ellington, JJ Redick type Kyle Corver Luke plays, but maybe we will for him. Um, we did with Corver for a while, so Quinn's obviously adaptable. Um, the one thing on Thomas that I've done he's a name that always shows up. Like this offseason I was trying to find like the next Duncan Robinson Davis Bertans, I really believe in the six foot seven, six foot eight high volume three point shooter. And the you know there were three names that continually came up for me. Um, uh, Mihailik, who Detroit just traded to Oklahoma City. Boyan Bogdanovich, interestingly, I think we could actually start to think about him a little differently in that sense. You know, he's six seven, six eight, 6'8", takes eight threes a game and has been 40% for the last two years. He's 37 right now. Um, he'll probably get back to 40. And then Matt Thomas, but Matt Thomas was six four, and that's different. So now you're, you know, at best – and I don't think he'll ever do this, J.J. Reddick, and more likely, and I don't know if he'll even do this, be Wayne Ellington. Those are different types of players. The six seven, six eight 6'8", shooter has that shooting pocket just enough higher they can get it off. But he's he shows up when you look for elite-level shooters that might be able to be a high-volume threat. He shows up.
2: Your opinion of Alex Jensen staying, how big of a deal is it? You know, it's interesting. I just finished Locked
1: on Jazz when I finished Locked on Jazz.
2: So I actually
1: think it's really important for a few different reasons. So thank you for asking, PK. One, I think it's massively important for the Jazz because of his importance to the franchise, his connection. Quinn trusts him impeccably, and I think he's really, really important. Um, Number two. I think it's a statement a little bit by Ryan Smith. I don't know if Ryan Smith gave him a raise or if Ryan Smith has just sent a message to the staff that this is a place you want to be. We're going to take care of you. You want to be a part of this organization. You know, this is a positive place to be. I think that, and maybe that's, you know, frankly, the Jazz staff has not been on the highest end pay. Hey, I mean, You know, the Knicks probably have five coaches paid more than Alex. That's because they're in New York. So sometimes it's hard to tell what that means. L.A. probably has five coaches paid more than Alex, too. And, like, is that because the Jazz are cheap or because Utah's not as expensive as L.A.? So there's something. But at some point you have to say, you know what, if you're, like, the lead assistant on the number one team in the Western Conference and with the best record, we're going to compensate you. So I'm going to guess that there was probably some please stay and a little bit of a statement to the rest of the coaching staff that, you know what, like we understand that Antonio Lang got a big money deal to go to Cleveland and Zach Guthrie got a nice deal to go to Dallas and these were all upgrades and this is what happens when you have a brilliant staff that people are going to get taken away. Well, we're going to do what we can to see if you decide maybe you don't want to leave. So I, I think this is all part of kind of Ryan Smith, these little subtle, they're not subtle, frankly, and they're not little. These big things Ryan Smith is doing, Jordan Clarkson returning, Rudy resigning, Alex Jensen staying. Like, it's a beginning to be a pattern of behavior that in Salt Lake City, Utah, we're building a place people want to be and, and want to take part in. And Ryan Smith talks about trying to do this from a business standpoint. If, you know, quite frankly, if Silicon Slopes is going to become Silicon Valley Junior or even Silicon Valley Senior, the they we have to overcome a lot of perceptions and realities, not just perceptions. I think that's one of our larger flaws as a state. We just call them perceptions. They're realities about what we don't have here and so how we're going to bring and be able to recruit from a business standpoint the full ledger and full roster of potential employees for these great companies we're building so we can be the best in the world. And the Jazz are the same thing. How do you get it so that you can recruit the best coaches, the best front office people, the best staff members to the organization, and the best players that you're not suddenly choosing from a small percentage because people don't want to come to Utah? So that's a small, that's, you know, it's a, it's a bigger image issue for Utah, but this is part of it. And the fact that Alex didn't take a head coaching job at his alma mater, I think, is significant.
0: Are the Jazz going to go 3-0 and against the Grizzlies, or are they going to no drop chance. one?
1: No chance, right? If you go 3-0 and against the Grizzlies, it's another one of those wow moments. Right? Like, I mean, I mean, if you just take it, like, I don't know what our win probability is today. I mean, you can go look online and find like the odds and figure it out, but let's say... You know, we have a 65% chance of winning today. I would guess that that's probably about it. Well, if you have a 65% chance three times of something, you have almost no chance of happening three times in a row, right?
0: Unless uh, the team's got a different mindset and is determined that every game matters and they don't care about anything else and they're going into lockdown mode and they've had it. That last road trip sucked and they got an edge. I think if you're in midseason, hey, let's go out and play pretty well mode, then you're probably going to drop a game.
1: So, I mean, or if, you know, if you're in the playoffs, you drop one too, right, even if you're superior. Most people don't gentlemen sweep four, four or five. So, um, you know, I think it's a good pass. Um, Taylor Jenkins is a remarkable coach. Used to be an assistant for Quinn in Austin. He's just done amazing work there. Uh, J- Brad Jones, former Jazz assistant on that bench. Ja Morant's great. Interesting little note: they're 29th in the league in half-court offense, and we're number one in the league in half-court defense. They're 29th in the league in three-point attempts, and they're 29th in the league in three-point shooting. They they scored over 50 points in the paint in a bunch of games recently. So you know they don't match up well against us unless you know they really don't. Like they like to get to the rim, and we've got Rudy. So. You know, in that sense, if we can, the big change that took place after Washington and Golden State is we kept uh, Chicago and whomever we just played, oh, Brooklyn, kind of, uh, out of transition. And so if we can keep you know, them down to 15% of their possessions in transition, then I think you could win all three. But I would suspect in one of those three games they get out and run all of it.
0: David, as always, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for uh, hopping on with us here. You guys
1: are fabulous.
0: <laughs> Thank you, David. You're pretty fabulous yourself. Congrats. Thank you. All right. See you. David Locke's weekly interview brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Team. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.